0: Welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. We're in Ephesians chapter 4 this morning, and I'd like to read from verse 11 just for our context. It's Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, Let's pray together. Father, as we open your word this morning, I pray that you would just help us, enable us, Lord, to understand your word, but more than that, to apply it to our own life, our own needs, our own situation. We thank you, Lord, that uh, we're able to look into your word and to have uh, your strength and your enablement to live for you. I pray that we'd be encouraged today as we look together in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, the title is Growing Up Together. We're continuing from uh, the last time. the second part of this theme of growing up together into Christ. If you've been with us in this series, you'll remember that the first half of chapter 4 is about the unity of the body. And it's a unity that we have inherently because we are in Christ. Those of us who know him personally as our Savior, we've been born again, we are in him, joined to him because he is the head of the body, the church. And because we're joined to him, we are joined to each other. As we saw last time in verse 12 and 13. We each have a part in the spiritual building up process of the body. The gifted leaders were given, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. You see, the Lord is not only building us up, he is using us in the process of building others up in the faith. He says the same thing to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11. He says there also, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you have been doing. And the last time we were in this passage, I asked the question, are you part of the building up process of the church? Are you pursuing and praying for the spiritual growth of the body of Christ? Verse 13 describes for us what this spiritual maturity looks like. It gives us a picture of the the end result of God's work in us. As I thought about this truth, I thought about uh, our grandchildren and those that have recently been born in the church, young babies and children, and uh, it makes me think about what they're going to look like when they get older, when the babies newborn, it's difficult to tell what uh, they're going to look like. They're, they're, they're changing so much in just a short amount of time, but as they get a little bit older, you begin to have a, have an idea of what they're going to look like when they're fully grown, and that's what uh, this verse does for us. It shows us the, the fully grown-up believer in Christ when we are with him in a perfection that he is planned for us, ultimately. Verse 13 says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And this is the end to which we are moving, which, for which God has saved us, that we would be conformed to the image of Christ. And he is working in our lives bring us along the path of spiritual growth and change to be more like him. He is the head of the body, and the body will ultimately be conformed to the full perfection of Christ. Verse 14 tells us why this spiritual growth, this growing up, is so important for the believer, and that is that we would not remain children. Verse 14 says, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Well, when we first come to Christ, we're like little children in the faith, even as newborn babes. But we are not to remain that way. The expectation of Scripture is that we grow, And from the very beginning, that we would begin to grow. And this growth is uh, provided for us through the means that God has given us. He's given us his word. He's given us the indwelling spirit of God. He's given us pastors to teach and preach the word. He's given us brothers and sisters in the local body of Christ to encourage us and to admonish us in the faith so that we may grow up together. uh, we must cooperate with God in our growth. Notice how Paul writes to the church at Corinth who were not growing as they should. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the beginning in verse 1, he says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And that would be okay at the very beginning when they were first saved but the problem was they really had not grown uh, from that point he says and even now you are not ready for you are still of the flesh for while there is jealousy and strife among you are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way you see spiritual growth does not happen just because you've been a believer for many years It's not automatic. We must walk according to the Spirit, in obedience to the Word, in cooperation with what God wants to accomplish in our lives. You see, a person who can continue as a spiritual child without conviction from the Spirit really has reason to doubt if they are born again, if they're a a genuine believer. Although Paul had confidence in the Believers at the, in the church at Corinth, he raises the question for them to consider. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 13 and verse 5, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. These believers were... Uh, examining him. They were questioning even if he was an apostle. And Paul turns the tables on them and says, examine yourself, because they're not acting like genuine believers. They're, They're not growing as you would expect a believer to be growing. And so he tells them to put themselves to the test. Peter will speak of this growth process in this way in 1 Peter chapter 2 beginning in verse 1 he says so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good Paul uh, Peter is not saying that they were to grow up to be saved, but he says growing up into salvation, in other words, uh, the salvation that they already have. He he admonishes them to long for or crave the pure spiritual milk, which is a reference to God's Word. In contrast to what he said in verse 1 about the deceit and hypocrisy and envy, the deceit is Dolos, and he admonishes them to crave the, the adolos, the pure spiritual milk that they may grow thereby. And this is the, the concern that Paul is talking about, that we not remain as spiritual infants because the enemy Satan wants to deceive and, and lead us astray. Notice the picture that Paul paints for us. Back in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, he says that tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. He uses the, the analogy of the, of, of the waves and being tossed to and fro. I can remember one time being out on a lake in a, in a small boat and a, sor- a storm came up suddenly there was lightning, and the, and the rain was pouring down, and, and the water that had been very calm was now being driven by the wind, and, and it was a, quite a scary situation. I can only imagine what it would have been like without a motor, as in the, the first century, as they would have been out on the lake in a, in a storm, and the wind picked up, and the waves throwing the boat around. What we see here is uh, this image that he gives us is one of being unstable and without an anchor in the true word of God. Such a person is easily led astray. They are led astray by the newest fad or the, or the newest conspiracy theory. Uh, they're easily deceived by the evil one. And for many in our day, uh, social media has more impact upon their life than the Word of God. Many are in danger because of the deceitfulness of Satan and his false teachers. Verse 14 says, Carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning. This word cunning speaks of trickery. It was a word that was used for dice and dice playing. One author writes of this word, the word cubia, the term for dice became synonymous with trickery of any sort. The dice were often loaded or otherwise manipulated by professional gamblers to their own advantage, which is a perfect picture of men coming into a congregation and manipulating the word of God to make it say what they want it to say. He also uses the word craftiness, a word that is used to describe the working of Satan in the Garden of Eden with uh, with Eve. And Paul, again, writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 and 4, he says, But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, and there the word that's translated craftiness in our text is here, here given as cunning. He's, uh, he, he talks about, deceiving Eve by his cunning. He says, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Paul was concerned about these believers and how easily uh, they would be led astray. See, Satan will use every means available to deceive us and lead us astray from the path of spiritual growth and maturity in Christ. Again, in verse 14, he says, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Later in chapter 3, he will admonish us to put on the whole armor of God, to be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The schemes are his plans, the, the method dia and it's it's very similar to our word the methods and he has plans plans to lead us astray as the 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 ruler of this world and uh, all this happening around us in the world it's all designed to lead us away from the lord he admonishes us here paul does to spiritual growing up together to the full knowledge of Christ. And so as we grow together in God's Word and in our relationship with the Lord and knowledge of Him, it it enables us to stand against these scheming and deceit of Satan and his false teachers and all that he's trying to accomplish in and through the world to mislead us. Notice the contrast with all this in verse 15. And it brings us to the second point, and that is to live the truth in love. Growing up together in Christ means that we're speaking the truth in love or living the truth in love. Verse 15 says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. Well, that phrase, speaking the truth, is often translated, it translates the one Greek word, Aletheu, which is a participle of the root word for truth. And it could literally be translated truthing, truthing in love. It does not communicate very well. It's not really a good word, not an English word at all. But it it is what he's saying. The Ofertaling says, And that gets to the heart of this meaning of this word. Bond's expository, uh, expository Dictionary says, the word signifies to deal faithfully or truly with someone. And so you can see that the word here in this context is is dealing with more than just what we say. It's our whole life. We're, and our speaking is part of that, but it's bigger than just what we say. Verse 15. Verse 15 in the net for talling says, or the net translation says, but practicing the truth in love. And, and the net um, notes to support that says, in contrast to the preceding verse, where there are three prepositional phrases to denote falsehood and deceit, the present word speaks of being real or truthful in both conduct and speech. And so that's what Paul is dealing with here. It's our, uh, it's our whole life would be in the truth. Paul's own testimony in 2 Corinthians 4, and verse 2, says, But we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God see, speaking the truth in love is sometimes described as a balance between the true, uh, be, a balance between the two, between uh, what we say and our love. And many people have the idea that uh, you have a, need to have a balance between them, but that's not what Paul is talking about. He's He's rather saying that we should have all of both. We are to be constantly living and speaking the truth. And we're to always do so in love. And so these are both to be embraced as part of our life. Uh, Some Christians believe that to speak the truth to somebody about their sin, for example, is unloving. But if done with compassion, it's the most loving thing that you can do. Proverbs 27, verse 6, speaks to this reality. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And the flip side to that is, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. You see, a real friend will tell you the truth, even if it's uncomfortable. Others will tell you what you may want to hear, but that's not really loving. We also don't want to be like Jonah. You remember him, he went and spoke the truth uh, to the Ninevites, but he had no compassion. His motive was not right. He wasn't speaking in tr- the truth in love. Our motivation must be for the good of others. When we communicate to them the truth of God's word, when we uh, disagree with their direction and point out the problems with their thinking, we must be thinking about what is best for them, uh, loving them through compassion as we are speaking to them. As we commit ourselves to living and speaking the truth and love, we grow up together into Christ, who is the head of the body. And verse 15 ties back into verse 13, uh, where he says, we are growing to full maturity, to the measure Of the stature of the fullness of Christ he says you're growing up in every way into him who is the head into Christ and this brings us to a third point that growing up into Christ means that we are in this together because Christ is our head we are all linked together in him verse uh, 16 Paul brings this section which began in verse 1 to a conclusion He says in verse 16 from whom and he's referring back to Christ who's the head he says from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love we are reminded again here in verse 16 that the centrality of Christ he is the head He's the source of the unity and the growth of the body. Remind me of Romans chapter 11, verse 36, which says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Paul, in this conclusion, brings together again the unity of the body and the growth of the body. Each one in the body is important, has a part in the overall spiritual growth into the fullness of Christ. He says, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Uh, The Baker Theological Commentary uh, says, this growth, whether of the body or the, the analogy of the building, takes love. Only by bearing with each other in love will the body or building, be able to maintain both its unity and the integrity of its witness to the gospel truth, end of quote. I also read someone quoting from John Calvin. He says, if we want to be considered members of Christ, let no man be anything for himself, but let each of us all be whatever we are for the benefit of each other. That's a good quote to remember. If we want to be considered members of Christ, in other words, the members of the body of Christ, let no man be anything for himself, but let us all be whatever we are for the benefit of each other. Uh, that's really the, the attitude that Paul is driving at here, that there, there is this unity that we have in Christ. And uh, he, the Lord wants us to be growing together and be concerned about each other and the spiritual growth of each other. In conclusion, Tom Constable, in his notes, writes, the church then is a diverse body composed of many different people who must give attention to preserving their unity. Paul's emphasis was on body growth more than on individual growth in this passage. Each believer contributes to the body growth as he or she exercises his or her particular gifts or abilities in the service of Christ. See, God has planned that the spiritual growth of the body would happen in community, where we grow up together with the self-sacrificial love of Christ as our example and pattern. See, God wants to empower us uh, and enable us and work through each of us for this purpose. Well, I want to uh, close with this illustration uh, about a typewriter. It's entitled, A Broken Key. And for those uh, listening to the delayed broadcast, uh, it won't be quite the same without seeing it because uh, the E is the broken key, and it's, it's been replaced with, The letter X, and it says, even though my typewriter is an old model, it works quite well except for one of the keys. I have many times wished that it worked perfectly. It is true that there are 41 keys that function well enough, but just one key is not working makes the difference. Sometimes it seems to me that our church is something like my typewriter. Not all the key People are working properly. As one of them, you may say to yourself, well, I am only one person. I don't make or break the church, but it does make a big difference because the church, to be effective, needs the active participation of every person. So the next time you don't seem to be needed very much, remember my typewriter and don't be like a broken key. Well, I trust that you've been challenge this morning from God's word as we are reminded again of God's purpose of our growth, our unified growth together with him. Let's pray together. Father, we rejoice in your salvation. Rejoice in your grace that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for the church. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in building your church. And though we don't fully understand, Lord, we know that you have chosen to use us in that building, that growth process. And so, Father, I pray that we might commit ourselves to working together uh, with you in this process and working with each other so that uh, we all together might be growing up into Christ, fulfilling the plan that you have for us until we are together together. With you, may we keep that thought before us this week. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen.
1: What is our hope in life and death, Christ alone, Christ alone? What is our holy confidence that our souls to Him belong, who holds our days within His hand? What comes apart from his command, and what will keep us to the end, the love of Christ in which we stand. Oh, sing What truth can call The troubled soul God is good God is good Where is his grace And goodness known In our great Redeemer's blood Who holds our faith When fears arise Who stands above The stormy trials Who sends the way night unto the shore, the rock of Christ. O oh, the grave what will we see Christ he lives Christ he lives and what reward will heaven bring everlasting life with him where we will rise to meet the Lord then sin and death will be destroyed and we will feed in endless joy, when Christ is ours forevermore. Oh, sing hallelujah! Our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah! Now and ever we confess Christ our hope in life.